If you're like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch was probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our toques to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing, go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. Available now from Saskatoon Folk Rap Records, Mental Health Day, the new album by Winnipeg rap icons Gruff and Yai. The eight-track record is available now on vinyl, on cassette, and in digital formats from saskatoonfolkrapperecords.bandcamp.com. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Welcome to Witch Please Radio. Uh, one of the things that I've, I've noticed about doing this show kind of via Zoom instead of doing it uh, in person like I used to is that I, I feel like I've expanded a little bit more in terms of the type of artist I'm talking to. Uh, the show has always been as diverse as I can make it, but there's certain genres that tend to get a lot of focus just because it's what I mainly listen to. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of punk rock, a lot of hip hop, a lot of jazz, um, things like that. And I, I know there's so much more than that happening you know, in Manitoba and across Canada. And I think the guests on this episode are doing something that is fairly unique as far as the type of stuff that I talk about. So I'm excited to have you on here. And I think that the best way to start this off is if the two of you just want to introduce yourselves and maybe give a bit of background about what it is that you do, because it's outside of my comfort zone. Yeah, <laughs> For sure, yeah. So we're Jane and Kyle, Jane and Corey and Kyle Burgout. Um, we're based here in Winnipeg and we both play the fiddle. Um, we both grew up playing classical violin and went to uh, the University of Ottawa together doing that. But we've also both played traditional f- fiddle music ever since we were kids. And that's really our uh, true musical passion. Um, and so we both do, and as is common with a lot of fiddlers, we do uh, a mixture of performing and recording and a lot of teaching as well, um, whether it be in the schools or private students or we also do a lot of online teaching with people from all across the country what yeah oh sorry go ahead no go ahead oh no sorry uh, and so our kind of musical blend has kind of kyle's grown up in ottawa and i grew up here in manitoba um so we both have sort of different fiddle backgrounds and we've kind of done a little bit of blending in our in our duo to kind of showcase a bunch of styles that we really enjoy playing well, that's kind of what I was going to ask about, too. I had read in your bio and everything that you're, you're from different parts of the country. And, I mean, Manitoba, you know, being from here, I know that there's there's a very strong um, fiddle sound, especially with the Métis community. And, I mean, mm-hmm. at things like Festival and everything, the fiddle is very prominent. And even with just the, the folk and roots and bluegrass and all these styles of music that are very popular here, the fiddle is, a, you know, a fairly prominent instrument. Um, what is your background, I guess, as far as being from this province um, in terms of playing? I mean, I know you mentioned all of the, the educational side of things, which is of course important but in terms of what got you into playing fiddle what was your introduction I guess uh, as a Manitoban 
Yeah, I, so I started out with classical through the Suzuki program, and every year the Suzuki program does a, a workshop weekend, and they had a fiddle class. Uh, so I, when I was seven and I'd been playing for a couple of years, I got introduced to that and was immediately really drawn to it. So from there I joined a little fiddle group on Saturday afternoons and started learning tunes. And yeah, a lot of them were kind of old-time based or a lot of Manitoba tunes and Métis tunes. It was only really when I moved to Ontario for school where I started to get more uh, into Ontario side of fiddling and there's a big Irish fiddle scene there sure. which there's also a really big Irish scene in, in Manitoba as well so that's kind of what happened for me. Yeah and for me growing up in Ottawa um, I mean I played a lot of the what's called the Ottawa Valley style of fiddling which is really a blend of Irish, Scottish and uh, French Canadian music from Quebec so it's really right from the beginning I was exposed to I think a lot of different styles and something that we both of us really enjoy doing is exploring and playing tunes from a variety of traditions rather than just focusing on one alone yeah well and I guess that gives you the versatility too to play in a lot of different settings right because there's uh, fiddle music is connected to so many different cultures and, and, and styles especially in Canada yeah, exactly. province by province I'm sure there's you know something in almost every province where uh, <laughs> where there's fiddle music yeah. involved yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So how long have you been working together uh, with this current project and actually making music together and recording music together? Well, um, we first met when it was in 2014 and had sort of right away we started playing together informally at jam sessions and stuff. But it really wasn't until a few years ago that we started actually uh, doing gigs together and uh, arranging and writing music together. And uh, yeah, we did our first tour as a duo, I think in 2019. And then uh, over the course of the pandemic, uh, we recorded our uh, first duo album, which we put out in at the end of October. Yeah. What was that experience like? I mean, you know, the pandemic has obviously affected literally everybody on the planet. And especially for creative people, it's it, in many cases, it's made it very difficult to, to do things in the traditional way. I mean, uh, even just touring to support an album or even playing an album release show has been kind of, uh, you know, it's not on the cards for, for so many people. What was the experience like for the two of you for actually, you know, making a record and then being sort of, well, what do we do now? Yeah, I think it was, it was challenging for sure, especially because the other... Uh, uh, two guys who are in our band are both based in Ontario, so okay. uh, it it was really hard for us to try and find times to actually get together, and really we didn't end up being able to play all together until we were right in the recording studio. So that was um, really challenging, but it also, I think, forced Jane and I to step outside of our comfort zone, and we started writing more stuff, you know, just for two fiddles rather okay. than for the full band, and... Um, so I definitely had its uh, pros and cons, but it was a also took a lot longer to get the album done than we uh, had hoped. For it was sure. a learning curve, I'm sure it was for for most artists out there to get motivated when you didn't have any performances to look forward to. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's what brings us the most joy is playing music together. So once we finally got back into that groove, it definitely was a um, very helpful during the pandemic to have that to fall back onto. Well, now, now that things are opening up a little bit, hopefully, <laughs> I mean, no one really knows, right? But do, do you have sort of plans on, on what you want to do now with this record, now that it's been out for a few months in this weird showless universe? Yeah, uh, we definitely want to want to start touring across Canada first and foremost, and really, because um, we, we did our tour in Ontario, and um, 
that's where a lot of our following and friends are. But um, we also have a lot of friends and family and and, and colleagues in around the West Coast and in the Maritimes as well. So we definitely plan to uh, get in across Canada as much as we can with the new album. Cool. Yeah, it was, it was uh, kind of tricky trying to decide when to put the album out because on, on one hand, we were kind of thinking, well, we should wait until we can do a CD release concert and tour it. But then it got to a certain point where we just really wanted to put out some new music. So we ended up deciding um we decided to put it out at the end of october because we we're actually playing uh in quebec at a fiddle festival there that i'm the co-director of oh, cool. so we thought it'd be a good opportunity to put it out to the world and then yeah we're hoping to do more touring probably in the spring because uh traveling in the winter is not not a lot of fun around sure. here <laughs> whether there's a pandemic or not right it's, it's, it's still the exactly yeah, yeah. yeah.
maybe that the fiddle festival side of things. I know in reading about you guys, you're um, you're both fiddle champions, and I think that's a side of uh, of things that doesn't come up a lot in other types of popular music where there's you know actual competition uh, as far as as far as playing. So what 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 can you tell me about that world? Um, how do you become a fiddle champion, and what does that entail? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a really fun world, actually. I mean, sometimes when you think competition, you think a lot of stress and pressure that is not necessary. And some people don't really enjoy it that much. But we've kind of grown up really enjoying going to fiddle contests. It really is, um, the camaraderie is really amazing. And you end up jamming a lot of the time, you know, with, with your uh, fellow competitors. And uh, it's also just a great place to kind of get your name out there and have people get to know you as a fiddler. So um, we both uh, compete at what is called the Canadian Grandmasters Fiddle Competition. Um, I started competing for, well, what you do is you showcase uh, your province. So they invite a few players from each province to represent. Um, So I started competing there when I was 15. Kyle, growing up in Ontario, it's a lot more densely packed with amazing fiddlers. So he started a little bit later. Um, And I guess uh, becoming a fiddle champion, it's it just uh it's something that uh eventually uh just kind of happened to to me and Kyle's been the runner up there at the Canadian Grandmasters fiddle competition and um yeah it's quite an it's uh, an exciting title to kind of own even though some people don't really know what it means yeah yes. does it um does it take a lot of time away from what you would otherwise be doing musically like i imagine there's at least a certain degree of preparation for that and getting ready to compete yeah, there is a, it's very different from preparing for a full show because for the most part at these contests, you have four or five minutes to play usually three or four tunes and that's it. So it's a really, really short amount of time and you really got to pack as much as you can into those few minutes and make sure that everything is, is uh, you know, as perfect as it can be. Um, but yeah, like Jane was saying, I think a huge part of the contest is really just the community around it and getting to... Uh, play with and meet so many other musicians through that um but i mean of course it is they are still competitions and so it is what you make it too i mean i think some fiddlers do choose to spend the whole time practicing backstage and and put a lot of pressure on it so we've tried over time though it's not always easy to just remember that these contests are super subjective you know a lot of the time it's just what the judge what kind of style they enjoy so at the end of the day you can't put too much uh thought into it well, and I guess like what you were saying too about the making the connections and meeting people there and, and connecting with other musicians, that's got to help in the long run too as far as, you know, when you're going out and touring, you have all these people in, in this province and this province that you can kind of uh, contact about getting shows or, or things like that, right? Exactly. Some of our favorite people in the fiddle community we've met at contests. So, yeah. uh, when, when it comes to fiddle music... Um, this is probably just my my uneducated impression, but I associate it with folk music, and I also associate it with kind of very much traditional, um, like you're saying, the Métis stuff, the Irish, Scottish, uh, French, Canadian. What is the sort of um, I don't know how to word this question, but I mean I know that's there. The, the traditional cultural stuff is very very strongly embedded. But what about um, sort of where does the where is the fiddle going? I guess in the future, I'm sure there are people who out there who I'm unaware of who are doing very uh, progressive kind of uh, new stuff with with that instrument. And I think for a lot of people, and I'm a great example of it, it's definitely associated with kind of old and traditional. And I imagine that there's a whole world out there of people doing um, interesting, more modern sounds on the fiddles. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, it's an interesting thing with fiddle music, or really with any traditional music, because of course, a huge part of it is preserving all the 
is preserving the tradition, but at the same time, uh, especially when you're, you know, making a living as a musician, you have to develop your own sound and musical identity. So, and you have, there's such a wide range, you know, there'll be some people who only play like really, really old traditional tunes. And then there'd be some groups who are, you know, really pushing the boundaries and playing uh, like all modern tunes and introducing like instruments you'd never think of hearing, you know, like a lot of synthesizers right. and elect- electronic music into there. So I think for us, we kind of are somewhere in the somewhere in the middle because we still, I think, are very much rooted in the tradition. And a big part of what we want to do is to carry on and pass on that tradition. But we also do enjoy, um, you know, writing some of our own tunes and coming up with new arrangements, of course. So it's, uh, yeah, it can be a tricky thing trying to find a happy medium between the two. Sure. What's, um, what is the appeal of the traditional stuff for both of you? I mean, you know, obviously you both grew up doing this and I'm sure that probably plays a big role, but, uh, you know, some of these songs are hundreds of years old and some of the, (laughs) and you're doing variations on them and obviously coming up with your own material that, that relates to it. But why does it still resonate? Do you think in 2021, some of these, some of this music that's, that's goes back, you know, generations and generations. Yeah, I think one of the the biggest reasons for me, at least, is that um, sort of all of there's all of these old traditional tunes. If you go anywhere, uh, everyone knows them, so it gives you the opportunity. It's really easy to play with other fiddlers and other traditional musicians because right away you have a lot of tunes and repertoire in common, and I think that's really the main reason. Like when you look at uh, bands touring and recording um it's i think very different but uh pretty much all all of the fiddlers that we know even if you know they're really pushing the boundaries and are you know um they still always maintain that core uh traditional repertoire just because yeah it it comes up so often and it's such a great way of connecting with other musicians wherever you go yeah, like anywhere in the world, you said there's a, a big Irish fiddle scene in Japan, right? Oh, really? So if we went, if we went yeah. to Japan, we could play. We would know all the same tunes if you sat around a circle, and you'd be able to connect through a different language. Yeah, than- that's cool. You, you, it's yeah. just yeah, that, that's really neat actually. Uh, I, I guess no matter who you're playing with too, you, there's a, probably at least a dozen songs that, that you all know just just like from muscle memory at this point from playing them so many times, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, and. Uh, I think a lot of groups when they go on tour or, you know, like I've been over to Ireland a few times, it's so great just being able to go into a, a pub there and sit down and join a traditional session and be able to play with these people you've never met before. Yeah. Um, and they all, they all recognize yeah. the tunes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing feeling.
saying that going to Ireland and stuff what what is the reaction there to you know someone from Canada playing their music to them is, is there is there any kind of gatekeeping as far as like oh you're not Irish <laughs> enough <laughs> to be playing this kind of stuff <laughs> um I don't think so I think uh I mean it can be very intimidating going to Ireland and playing Irish music there because yeah. you really you yeah. know <laughs> want to make sure you do it right but they really have a great appreciation for anyone who's you know putting in the time and willing to learn their traditional music and even for bringing other styles of music like from Canada they're really really interested in that and the response has always been really good there cool yeah and like when you competed in Ireland uh that was a little bit tougher as a he's done the the North America or sorry the what's the name of the yeah so I also did a, a competition in Ireland and that's a whole nother thing because of course in the competitions the emphasis is definitely on the tradition and being as traditional as you can so that it gets a little bit trickier and can be a little bit political if you're not from uh, Ireland the Canadians never won that one yet. <laughs> yeah. I think a, cu- a couple Americans have but it's yeah. very rare okay. to not be Irish yeah so I'd be a bit a bit different for competitions but in general I think uh, yeah people are really curious and interested and open about yeah other that, styles that goes for most cultures like you know there's a big issue of cultural appropriation these days and you know that can be a little bit tricky with uh when it comes to the metis style sure um not being metis and playing that music but i think 98 percent of people recognize that the most important thing is that we're carrying this amazing culture through and most metis tunes actually come from are actually scottish in origins so it's like the the whole thing is that everything is carried through so many things that yeah know, it's all, all that matters right? is that is yeah yeah is there a kind of um do you feel the pressure of of being true to this kind of stuff i mean when you're doing something that you know is you know, like a metisman for example you know it's very specific to a culture and you as an out as an outsider even though you've played the instrument your whole life um is there pressure to kind of do it right to to properly uh respect the song and, and honor it that way yeah absolutely i think um i think it's uh it takes a lot of time and a lot of listening just to be able to um, to be able to play tunes from various traditions is one thing, but be able to be able to play them, you know, stylistically 
accurately is a whole nother thing. And I think that's something that's really interesting to us because it really takes a lifetime to master even one of them. And so it's, mm-hmm. uh, sure. it's uh, yeah, it's a yeah. lot of fun um, working on all these different traditions. Yeah. This is maybe a weird question, but is there a Canadian accent to, to fiddle music? Like, is what you do identifiably Canadian to someone who's from, from Ireland or from even even from Quebec? Are you Do you sound Manitoban or do you sound Ontarian <laughs> in your playing? That's such an interesting question. I, I find that often with Manitoba, you can't tell as much. Like, I... When I go to Ontario and hear people from like, you know, rural Ontario and around the valley, I feel like there's a bit of an accent and I don't know, you can just kind of tell. Maybe it's different for you being around Manitobans and you're not from (laughs) there, but I find sometimes it's... Yeah, it's a tricky thing because in Canada, there's so many like regional styles within it that I think it's it's, uh, challenging to come up with one, like one Canadian sound or Canadian style. Um, and that's been a challenge even for some of the, the competitions in Canada that are trying to get people in from all different parts of the country because it's really not, it's all, you have a few different styles represented. Um, and I guess for us, because we are blending, you know, music from Manitoba and the Ottawa Valley, um, yeah, it's hard to, it is hard to identify for sure. But uh, mm-hmm. Like, again, if you go to Cape Breton, it is so obvious that someone is from Cape Breton. Right. They've got the the stereotypical accent, and um, it's just such a distinct style that you know right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and whereas with our kind of blend, it's I find it's not as easy to tell right away. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think styles are... are uh, the reason I'm asking this is because I'm curious because, uh, you know, obviously 100 years ago, the styles would have been more distinct because everyone was in their separate little areas right but now that the world has opened up the internet is connecting everyone everyone can hear music from literally anywhere they want do you think that that maybe has muted kind of the distinctness of certain areas because you know someone in manitoba can be hearing music from ireland they can be hearing it from quebec they can be hearing it from japan right and they can be listening to it as much as if they were listening to someone local like has that changed things at all The, the idea that this traditional music is now available to anyone anywhere yeah absolutely i think you're seeing uh, and it it has been a big concern in a lot of places that regional styles are kind of disappearing because of the internet. But I think we're kind of at a point now where people have realized that that's happening and so they're putting in more effort to try and preserve those regional styles. And I think okay. you're seeing more now that, you know, if someone from Manitoba is, is learning Cape Breton tunes, they're really putting the ef- extra effort and time to play them like stylistically accurate because I think before you're um, when the internet first became such a big thing for sharing music people were just so excited about hearing all these different tunes and so they would uh, learn them and play them in their own style um, which is also great but it uh, yeah I think you're seeing more and more people now playing a variety of styles but really trying to honor each of those traditions still and I know for us it makes it a lot more exciting to have so many styles to choose from I mean Back in the day, even when I was a kid, and I'm not that old, you know, I didn't have the internet to find out all these tunes. I would just learn mostly Manitoba and old time tunes uh, in person, or I'd go to a fiddle camp and that'd be as far as I could get. But um, it's very different now because at the click of a button, you can find any style you want. Yeah. And I imagine that helps you too as as musicians, because your music can get out there to, to pretty much anyone who discovers it, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so easy it's to... It's quite a gift. Yeah, it is. The internet yeah. is such a... Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of issues with it, but yeah. we're very... We're really <laughs> grateful, let's be honest. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, for people doing creative, anything creative and wanting to get it out there, it has that benefit for sure. Despite yeah. all the other mm-hmm. horrible stuff about it. <laughs> <laughs>
if someone is hearing about you for the first time on the show and they want to find out more, they want to hear your record, they want to, you know, um, find out if you're playing shows, uh, this being a podcast, it could, they could listen to it the day it comes out or they could listen to it a year from now. And hopefully by then, you know, COVID is not a thing anymore. Hopefully <laughs> everyone's touring and everything. So what's the best way to sort of track you down online and hear you and find out what you're up to? Yeah. So like all fiddlers, we're, we're old school and we do have a website called janeandkyle.ca. Um, but we also have an Instagram, which is janeandkylemusic, right? Yeah. <laughs> and our music's uh, out on all the streaming services too. Yeah. And yeah. we also do have lots of physical CDs. Cool. seems like it's uh, becoming yeah. less and less common. But uh, yeah, but in our, in our fiddle world, uh, CDs are actually still very popular and not just elderly people but uh, younger people still buy cds i think you have about a thousand at home of just yeah. fiddle music. <laughs> um so yeah we're and there is something kind of special about holding a signed copy totally. in your hand and yeah so we're trying to get that out there and uh we have a facebook page as well jane and kyle uh and being ampersand right. jane and kyle um yeah and that's i guess that's all of our platforms hey but yeah, you can find our music on any streaming service or on our website or on Bandcamp. Cool. Um, yeah, and we're we're excited for hopefully even a few weeks from now there will be some some planning in the works for 2022. We have a a good feeling about the next year, even though it's a little bit treacherous land yeah. right now. It's <laughs> it's seeming like things are going to be on their way up for sure. Well, hopefully, hopefully for everyone that's the case because I think people are getting tired of. Uh, not being able to tour or go to shows or it's, it, you know, it's, it's frustrating for everyone involved for sure. I'm, I'm glad to hear you're doing CDs still. Like I'm, I'm definitely a Luddite who only listens to physical media. And so I have thousands of CDs as well. Not all fiddle music, of course, oh, but, um, <laughs> so it's always, always nice great. to see that still happening. I know, I know things are changing and, and kind of the, um, the streaming is the way a lot of people are going, but I, I imagine, like you said, that, that your genre is something that lends itself to physical media. I found that interviewing country artists and uh, jazz artists as well, those are two genres where, yeah. where physical media is really still huge. Yeah, and I They're think just... for us it's such a big deal because especially among other musicians, for the most part, you're not just playing one tune on a track, right? You usually have two, three, four, five, a whole bunch of different ones. And so if you have a physical copy, you can actually look in the liner notes and read about the tunes and where they come from, which you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're seeing people, even if they don't have a CD player or buying albums just for the liner notes, which I think is really yeah. neat. Which is important when you're playing traditional music or music influenced by traditional music, because people can find the source of it that way. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah.
try to find me It doesn't mean 